Hello and thanks for tuning in to Expand Digital Academy podcast. I'm your host, Jose Sprang, and today I'm speaking with Leslie Malipod. Leslie is a sustainability advocate, angel investor, and serial entrepreneur. She's a circular economy fanatic, science geek, and has the most fun when helping others achieve their full potential. Leslie, welcome to the podcast. Jose, thank you. Lovely being on the show today. Okay, so the first question, what is it like living with two hedgehogs <laughs> it's, it's completely magical and uh, you know when we first discovered the two hedgehogs in our home in austria or in our garden um we just lit up and the whole household just lights up with excitement as we all just rush out to go and have a look at these beautiful little creatures and quite cutely um the hedgehogs feel that when they hide their eyes in the grass they feel completely hidden meanwhile they've got this gigantic spiky body <laughs> what drove you to start your own business especially one that is driven by environmental sustainability I think to answer this question, one has to understand the psyche of an entrepreneur. And if I had to describe an entrepreneur, I'd say that every single entrepreneur has an itch and you need to have it scratched. <laughs> As a kid, I was always looking to, to find solutions to problems. So I was always inventing. Um, and one thing when I realized, like when I was starting out in business, I, I was always focusing on the money in the early days, you know, when I, in my mm. 20s. Um, and I realized it was actually not about the money. And probably just a few years back, I mean, I'm a, a little bit further on in age now, but a few years back, I realized I actually had to start focusing on the passion of an idea. And that's where my mind switched. And I realized that it was the passion of the project, the people and the relationships. And that's how I started TPC really. Um, it all started on my walks along the Irish coasts and rivers. And I saw this growing amount of pollution in the waters and that was particularly in the the times to 2018 and 2019 when china closed its doors on um receiving all the pollution from from the, the world yeah and then this increase in pollution in ireland and i knew i had to do something to help curb the pollution and so that's why i started my one woman campaign and i started picking up all the litter by myself but i soon realized i actually needed to start raising awareness around this problem and to get people to think differently and to be aware of uh, this, this this issue and how they could actually be making a difference and so tpc was born out of this a place where we we could enable communication and engagement around the world's most pressing problems. So um, soon we started landing uh, inspiring clients that were changing, for example, the food systems of the world to become more sustainable. We then started landing clients in the fashion industry and also now cleaning up the oceans. We, we're working with um, wonderful clients around that. Wow. You're involved in a number of businesses. How do you juggle it all? I have to admit it is really, really hard sometimes. And I think the hardest time for me was when COVID first hit us in March and I was in Ireland at the time and I was packing up to move countries to Austria. Wow, did I struggle. I was packing house. I was pivoting uh, the planet calls business model. Mm -hmm. um, we were forced to pivot at that time. Moving countries, I was homeschooling and I actually thought I was going to burn out. And I thought I'd reached like, you know, the max of it until I actually arrived in Austria and then I had to unpack everything. And that's when it got even crazier for me because uh, even though it was summer, 
I had a demanding household, demanding work, and I had to unpack a house. Um, but after a while, when you start getting more organized, and for me, how I juggle it was I need to get organized. And so I actually, um, I told my business partner more, I needed to take a week off to actually get the house unpacked. And once I'd done that, things had started getting a little bit better. Yeah. One thing I try and do um, to kind of manage the different projects and the different businesses that I run is I have to make sure that I'm having fun and I love what I'm doing. Yeah. So the minute I feel stressed or uncomfortable, then I know I'm doing the wrong thing and I should be doing it differently. So I try to find the ease and I try to find where the flow is. And when I find the flow and the natural timing of projects, then I'm completely in my groove and then everything is is easy. So, yeah, it's definitely following your passions and focusing on the ease of doing things. And then I think I managed to fit everything into my day. That's that's so interesting because I also find myself, um, if I'm forcing myself to do something that's not maybe a passion or something that I like doing, I find it very hard to manage it or put it into my schedule or even like get to it in the day because it's just not something I enjoy doing. And yeah. you're right, when you enjoy it, you, you it just seems to flow a lot better and it, you, it just seems like you can juggle it all because you just enjoy yeah. it all. So. And I think the minute you do get to that point, you actually should just be stepping away and you know taking that walk outside mm. um seeing the beauty the beauty around you and then coming back to it later when you are inspired i mean you can never be doing anything when you're uninspired because yeah. nothing is going to come out of it yeah wow when you moved to ireland you started uh, the company for trino how would you compare the market of business between two countries or even regions was it easier or harder to start a business overseas? So to just backtrack into where I was in South Africa, I was um, a founding employee in a very successful um, payment processing company in the dot-com era. Mm -hmm. That was pretty easy because we had the dot-com era as the driver of our success Mm -hmm. and we had an international market. So it wasn't South African, it wasn't related to the South African market. However, when I started my own company in South Africa, it was an e-commerce business, it was really hard. The main reason being is that, sure, South Africa has a huge population. I think it's at about 55 million at this point, but the market is so small in terms of people who have expendable income. And I was focusing on a niche market that required um, uh, expendable income. So when it comes to fast-moving consumer goods, South Africa is great because you've got um, people who who need to spend money and need to live. So that's wonderful. But when it comes to lifestyle retailing, it's really really hard. Mm. So other things that were different around moving to Europe is I really felt that there was a lot more opportunity. Uh, when you're in Europe, you find that people have a comfortable existence. There are very few people that are poor um, in, in Europe, in any any of the countries. I mean, not compared to what we're used to seeing in South Africa. Mm. So you, you have those opportunities and you have a lot of uh, consumers that are willing to pay um, for, for products and services. 
Just secondly, what I'd like to just mention is that the buying power of rands and euros is completely different. So I felt that in euros, the euro is you're able to get a little bit further in your month when you're earning euros versus South African rands. Mm -hmm. uh, and another aspect around what was easier in starting a, a business in Europe was to you, you had access to investors and investment. Um, there's a, a large pool of investors in Europe and you also probably could access some investment from the States. But in South Africa, there was very limited access to that. Uh, another exciting part of it is that there's a lot more impactful projects that are in Europe. Um, you know, especially if you've got the EU Commission where you can tap into resources there and also collaborate with exciting um, businesses and universities who are really trying to make a difference in the, the world of sustainability. Wow. What are some of the obstacles of having a business um, do the experts not talk about and how did you overcome it? So. <laughs> I think, you know, as a startup and I, I just with our business for Trino, we, we meet a lot of startups who naturally are requiring some funding. Mm. Um, and often they, they can be quite demanding the sense of like, well, I've got this idea. Why can't you give me money? And I say to them, well, how far have you gone in terms of starting the business? Oh, no, no, it's just an idea. My first advice to them is to actually just start the business and get moving on it instead of waiting for the funding to arrive. Uh -huh. Because if you're passionate about it, you would have started anyway. Um, and when somebody's just specifically asking for the funding so that they could start the idea, then for me, their focus is only on money. Yeah. So it's, it's completely impossible to pull off um, launching a business by waiting for funding. Um, another thing is that it's so important for companies to be able to prove the concept of the idea and to gain a client and to get some traction. And so this is the advice I always offer is like, you know, get to that point before you start any asking for any um, money from, from people. There's also a lot of uh, SME business support in Europe. Uh, each country has a local contact point that will help you with uh, providing any sort of resource that to, to launch your, your company mm. and um, to help you guide you where you can access uh, funding. And that's, you know, you get a lot of government support as well, which is really cool. And then if you're going startup route and, you know, launching a, a tech business or whatever it is, um, you would have naturally have needed to get to a point where you've uh, proved the concept or have an MVP before you can start raising your angel investment. Yeah. And then I would say the last one would be finding talent is the, the hard bit. You know, being in Europe, um, there is a lack of um, talent. Well, there's a lot of complaints around finding, you know, developers and things like that because I think they are in such high demand. And oh. so I would advise around that is probably um, building a lean team rather than an employed team. Um, so what we've done uh, in the past is hire a remote team, um, freelance team, and that gives you the flexibility to um, not have to pay the, the monthly overheads uh, of a an employed team and actually yeah. just you know, run that lean team, yeah. Wow, that's that's interesting. Actually, I didn't know that um, there's a lack of, uh, as you would say, talent in 
in the European countries. I just thought, yeah. you know, because I'm in South Africa, so I would assume that, okay, all the talent's out, <laughs> out there overseas, America, Europe, wherever. And now that you're mentioning that, it's really, that's actually an eye-opener for me. Yeah. I mean, when, you, when you're looking at and you're advertising for jobs, a lot of times those jobs um, stay open for a long time because, uh, you know, those people have already been scooped up by the, the big companies like Google and Facebook. Um, and this is, it's actually quite nice because we like supporting, because we, we're two South African founders running a, a European foundation, uh. we love to support our South African people and, you know, the majority of our team are actually South African. Um, so we are trying to bring it back and almost pay it forward by supporting the people in South Africa because it's not always easy. I mean, I know over COVID, it's also been really hard for South Africa. Uh. Um, people have jobs and so we try and send that that business back to south africa just to to do our bit wow what would you say is your biggest accomplishment yet and can you briefly describe the path you had to take to achieve it well it's i hate questions like this because it really i I just can never think of like something that is like the biggest accomplishment but i i kind of thought about it and um, thought I'd mention the TEDx talk. Uh, And to give you a little bit of context around it is that I am not a speaker. I have never been able to stand up in front of a crowd. Um, Despite loving being the center of attention in a party, I don't like being the center of attention on a stage or talking in front of people because I have to prepare a lot. And the steps that I had to take to to get to that point of doing my TEDx talk in Luxembourg, and it was almost a year ago that I did it, uh, I had to do some coaching around it, uh, stand up in front of people and talk. And it was the most difficult thing I've ever done. And when I got to the event, I have to admit it was it was so scary being having to do that and I, I don't know if i'll ever recover from that moment of <laughs> being up on stage sure sure it's lovely but um I, I actually can't go back and look at the video because you'll you'll often criticize yourself and go oh, i should have said this and should have uh, done that no. but you know it, the way i soothe myself around it is i go oh we're all human you know as long as you've done it it doesn't really matter um, how you delivered it as long as you've delivered and as long as you've got your message out. Mm, mm. And so for me, it was, I often wanted to back out of the TEDx talk and say, okay, I'm not even going to do this. And I just reminded myself, it was like, actually the message around what plastic pollution is doing to the oceans and what we can be doing to make that change is far more important than me feeling uncomfortable on the stage. And so I just did it. Wow. <laughs> plastic a toxic love story which is the title to the TEDx talk you are on I want to Mm -hmm. find out personally it must be so frustrating that a lot of people don't have the same burning desire you have to rid the world of plastic yet there are so many TV series movies etc on a lot of streaming platforms that discuss and warn people about the dangers of plastic and where the world will be if we don't change it Mm -hmm. Um, do people just not really care or is there a certain amount of convincing you have to do with them to have the same burning desire to want to rid the world of plastic? I think the majority of people do care. I think in each and every one of us, there is some good. Mm. Um, 
I think the fact that we have 7 billion people on the planet and not everybody gets to see that sort of content that, you know, David Attenborough is producing or, you know, the film that we produced around plastic, the fact that they can't see those things and get to to realize what the problem is. Mm. The problem really is that there's an overproduction of plastic and uh, water, which is uh, our natural born uh, it's a thing that we should naturally and freely have is being sold in bottles just as an example and you've you got somebody in a developed country you know buying buying water because they, they have no access to water and then suddenly that bottle is being thrown into a, a river or a, a, a rubbish heap or landfill mm. they, they don't understand the, the problem they don't see what's happening to the oceans they don't see that bottle floating down the river and heading up in in, in the oceans so i think it's it's really a, a lack of education um and this is probably why we feel our our advocacy platform and the awareness raising that we're doing and also working with clients to actually help communicate the the challenges that the world is faced i think that's what's most important and will help reach um, everyday people mm. uh, to, to help them make one small change and that's all it requires you know often my husband we have this discussion he's like well, how do you think that that small change that you're going to be doing by not buying that plastic bottle is going to make a difference and I get very you know irritated by his comment because I'm like well that's small-minded isn't it when you think that my little change will not make a difference and it actually does because just with the TEDx talk yeah. Just with the changes that I've made and just with the advocacy platform that we've built, I've managed to reach maybe a hundred of my friends and family and they are already making those differences. And often I get comments um, or DMs from them and saying, you know, just because of what you've done, I've now stopped buying water, uh, plastic um, water bottles. Uh, and so you, you already we've got that ripple effect. And I always love that water droplet dropping into water and you've seen that ripple effect um, continuing and going and going mm. and going. And that's what I'm hoping will, will happen with what, what I do. Yeah, me too, <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, what tips can you give aspiring entrepreneurs and business people? Well, I, so speaking from experience and uh, just being through the really hard times of focusing on money firstly, mm. and then realizing that that's not really going to work, I would say focus only on your passions. If you start off there, you do not focus on the money. And if you find your passion, the, the money will find you. So, the, and we, I was discussing this, this uh, story yesterday with my husband. We went for a walk in the forest here um, in in our in the country uh. and he, he was following this uh this guy who's making these beautiful um wooden bowls and and you know he wasn't selling anything he wasn't making any money and then two years later my husband said he saw this guy had built his own house out of you know magnificent wood and he told the story on instagram and he was not ever intending on selling the house or making any money out of it because it was his house uh. but because he made it so beautifully because he had had so much passion for it there was an offer on the on the house and he sold it and now he's actually busy with his second house um and he's starting to like gain momentum around creating something really beautiful and sustainable mm. but he's making money out of it and that's a beautiful example of focusing on your passions yeah. then another sort of word of advice advice is I'd, i have a basic toolkit 
uh, around starting businesses and you have to focus on your people, you have to focus on great execution and you also have to understand your customer needs. Now, when you're taking off those three boxes, you are going to go pretty far in terms of succeeding with your business. And then lastly, and I always encourage us, I, I encourage failure because um, without it, we can't master, we don't, we, we can't uh, look back and go, well, I was there. I don't want to be there. I want to be here. And it helps you move forward and actually make progress. Yeah. Um, I mean, with, with every end, there's a new beginning. Okay. Plastic, a toxic love story. Um, please watch it um, on TEDx Talk, where Leslie talks about a lot of the burning issues about plastic in the world. Leslie, thank you so much for joining on our show and for sharing your expertise with our listeners. We wish you the very best for the future. Jose, it was lovely chatting to you and thank you for inviting me onto the show. Always a pleasure speaking to you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into our podcast episode today. If you want more info about our academy, where we upskill you fast and help you land a remote job, please visit our social media platforms, our website, or send us a WhatsApp message. We will include all the links in the text body of our podcast. I am your host, Jose Sprang. Mm-hmm.